0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victory. Notorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 96th episode recorded on Sunday, January 7th, 2024. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined today by a special guest from Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms. Today we'll be breaking down your in your number 14 Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, I forgot to write the score down, 91 to 69 victory over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. The Hoosiers have now won 12 in a row, making them 13-1 overall and 4-0 in the Big Ten. And as usual, we'll start this show with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Andy, for me, I'm going to go back into the first quarter here, and Sydney Parrish just remained on fire, especially in first quarter play, but she started out again today 5-5 five for five, uh, from deep and really kind of kick-started this team into a lead that they really never relinquished, and, and along with that, uh, I heard along the post game, uh, uh with the interview that 14 threes made on the road sets a school record today. So kind of a combo banner moment here, Sydney, Sydney Parrish and the 14 by the team as a whole um, to set a road record. So our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield apparel presenting sponsor of the back home network, who includes the assembly call and crimson cast Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You were bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves, great collegiate gear not only do you get your quality apparel but you are supporting an indiana based business that has its roots in the kelly school of business go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code home 23 that's h-o-m-2-3 to get 15 percent off your entire first order that's promo code home 23 for 15 percent off once again the website is homefield apparel wear one for the team All right, and we're going to kick it over to Andy for the bottom's line about today's game.
1: I, I just thought so many things about this game are just the the hallmarks of a really good team uh, in in a, in a road environment, in a game against a, you know, I think that the final score is probably not uh, fitting of, of how good Nebraska may end up being in the long run. It doesn't mean they're going to be top four in the Big Ten, but I think they're a decent team. And, you know, to, to win on the road, you got to get off to a hot start. You touched on that. And the other thing is you got to respond whenever the other team makes a run. And that was to me, what stood out as much as anything during this game, every time Nebraska would make a little bit of a push, IU would just rip off five points in a row and push the lead right back out. And eventually it just kind of wore uh, Nebraska down. And, and ultimately, you know, one of those stretches came uh, for me, Nebraska, I think they had cut it to seven. I think that was as low as it got in the second half, 55 to 48, if my notes are correct. Uh, and then Sarah Scalia, I think, hits a three right away. Chloe gets a steal and a layup. You push it right back up to twelve, and it was it was never really. I don't think it got under ten at that point. Uh, from there, but that was, uh, you know, that was uh, you know one situation. But I just thought over and over and over again, Nebraska would make a play. IU would come down and hit a three. Nebraska would make a play. IU'd come get the ball into McKenzie or or somebody else would get a layup. And that's just so important in these games to really not give the other team that belief that they could that they could beat IU and uh, I think that's a sign of a, of a veteran team for one and, and a really good one uh, at that so that was what stood out to me
0: yeah and Andy will you talk a little bit about this and obviously you, you I've been on with you guys a few times on the assembly call over the years and just uh, kind of that you talk about and I'm not trying to necessarily compare the two programs but today you felt like you saw a team that went on the road with a purpose and a plan
1: hundred uh, percent yeah I find myself every time i'm I'm on with you guys talking about like the the not not necessarily in like style of play although you could make that argument as well but just from like a program identity standpoint like what the women's team has what the men's team needs to aspire to um, and that just absolute belief and trust in what they were doing and even early it was just kind of like gradually chipping away it wasn't a huge run uh, there were some of those in the game but even in the beginning as they built the lead it was just kind of workmanlike getting through, getting the ball inside, um, you know, kicking it back out to get open threes. And, and I just, you know, that, that to me, they just they didn't really build that through explosiveness, even though those things came later. Um, and, and Sydney at the beginning certainly fits in that category, but um, just kind of methodically built up the lead uh, super consistent, scored at least, you know, 20 points in every quarter, uh, you know, always between 22 and 27 and, and just kind of, just gradually, gradually, gradually built the lead up, and and I think that again speaks to the mentality. The crowd got loud during that stretch that I mentioned, uh, and they just shut them right up uh, immediately. The the three from Scalia just shut them right up, and then everything from there was was smooth sailing.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the crowd, Andy. I thought, again, the hot start did a great job of really kind of keeping the crowd from getting into it. Uh, the, the, the box score did not have a crowd attendance listed yet. So um, when I printed it off after the game, but uh, from our friend Kathy Amos, who was actually at the game today, and Kathy may hop on here with us if she, if she gets the opportunity for a few minutes. But uh, there were times where she was texting with us that, uh, that um, she was talking about the crowds trying to get loud. And again, on the road, that can really steamroll on you pretty quickly. And again, I thought that it really came down to solid play. And, and, and I don't want to get too much into the numbers uh, with this. And Ari, thank you for h- hitting us in the work. Hogs here, they said on the broadcast, I missed that. The crowd was over 9,000 at Nebraska today. So uh, another excellent crowd there. So Andy, I'm going to kind of throw it back to you here. And you kind of mentioned one segment already at that pivotal play. I, I want to kind of m- piggyback off that a little bit. And, and on that play that Chloe Moore McNeil made that to me, there was, and I want your opinion on this. I thought just some great court awareness and IQ there because Nebraska had basically run that same play right before that and kind of got Lily caught up in the screen and the, and the player hit the three. Well, Chloe recognized it and saw Lily was getting hung up again and she jumped that passing lane and that became the pick six, uh, you know, for the layup. But I just kind of wanted to, you know, just kind of as you watch this team, just again, awareness and IQ on the court, just really kind of, you see it come through the screen, don't you?
1: Yeah. I I saw the same, same thing where they kept running that action. And that's, I mean, what anybody should be doing, right. You see something that works, just go back to it uh, a couple of times and, uh, you know, they were putting some of the defenders in conflict in terms of trying to figure out, you know, which shooter to get out to and and things like that. And they did get some open looks that way. I think if anything that you want to nitpick on a game like this, I thought they did give up some easy baskets inside uh, a lot of times. And they gave up some open looks to three point shooters, some of which was probably by design based on, uh, you know, scouting reports and things like that. But, yeah, there's such a smart play by Chloe who, you know, the, the person on Nebraska is turning around at the top of the key to throw the pass. And they're not really looking. They're just assuming that the that the person on the wing is going to be open like they had been the previous couple of times. And uh, I'm sure it was one of those oh, crap moments as you start to like let the ball go as mm-hmm. you turn around because Chloe was shooting the gap right away. And uh, just a super smart play by a really good defender and a really smart player.
0: Yeah, so we're going to throw it back to Andy. And Andy, got any other pivotal plays for you? There was a
1: stretch uh, toward the end of the third quarter when they really blew the game open. I thought Mackenzie Holmes um, – just really caught fire during a stretch for the end. I think she had seven straight points, uh, which was really right on the heels. I believe of that uh, of the, the Chloe layup that we just talked about, you know, Nebraska turns it over McKenzie scores again, and then she scores the next possession. Then she misses, gets her own rebound and gets fouled. Uh, and then, you know, Nebraska knocks the rebound out of bounds. The next time and she scores again, and has seven straight. That was, I think the last points of a 12 0 run, that got it up to 21, I believe, at the time. And and, she, and I mentioned that stretch just because she really stuck with it, even though uh, had some issues with turnovers in the first half, got called for traveling two or three times. Uh, it felt to me, although curious to get your thoughts, I don't know there was anything Nebraska was doing defensively. I think she was just trying to go too fast in, in some of the scenarios. But really in the second half, kind of simplified. You know, a lot of these times her footwork is so good and her post moves are so good, she's doing – you know, multiple moves to get a shot. I thought during the stretch in the second half, she just simplified it. It was one move, and I'm going to score. Um, right. It almost overcomplicated things for herself. I think in the first half, at times, trying to uh, trying to fight through and do things there. But I thought, you know, that stretch from her was really big. Her effort level, just getting to loose balls and things like that in that third quarter, were really, really impressive. Uh, obviously, the numbers speak for themselves over the course of the game in, in total with 22 points. But um, just thought really did a lot of that damage in the third quarter and. Uh, and, and really played incredibly well there. I think she had 11 of those points, so half of her points came in the third quarter. Just thought that stretch at the end of the third really put away any hope that Nebraska had at that point and and kind of showed why she's an All-American.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think at some there are times when Mackenzie is – she's getting a happy feed, but it's more because she's trying to get to a second or third type move, fake, before you know, while the defenders almost still catch him, the first one it reminds me of a kid I went to high school with. and We played pickup ball with. We played against each other in practice, and he was quicker than me. And I, would you know, he he was one of those kind of he'd be like he'd make a move to fake me, but then he'd go to the second move so quick I was still catching up to the first move that I was actually ready for the the where he was getting to. So, um, but yeah, I thought McKenzie you know, did a great job. I thought in whole just that whole third quarter. And we talked about the start again because of the fast start, but that first, that third quarter from that point on where it was 50 as you pointed out 5548 they that that they went on basically a nineteen to uh, a nineteen to one run, I believe, over the last part of that. You know, from you know, if you extend that on out, so that's a you know that's really a heck of a run there. I'm really going to go to another one, and I'm and I'm not trying to make it sound like Nebraska wins the game if this doesn't happen, but it was a huge moment, and that was early in the third quarter where they they played with fire. They left Alexis Markowski on the floor with three fouls, and Indiana went right back into Mac, and I and I thought that was a great. I, I, maybe they did make it, but it sure seemed like the. The emphasis at halftime was we're gonna pound it inside to McKenzie because the first three, four possession in the second half was pounded into Mac. And they got the fourth foul on Alexis Markowski, who was giving us some fits. You know, she she was already in double digits and and and, and playing pretty well but you take an all big 10 caliber player like Alexis Markowski off the floor. And, and I thought that was a pivotal play. And again, maybe luck, maybe a break we'll take it. But I, that fourth foul on Markowski really, I thought set the tone for the rest of the game. Cause it, it really, it took away who was the best player for Nebraska, but it also I think allowed McKenzie to thrive inside. And I also thought one thing in that stretch, I was a little surprised, but it looked like Nebraska and Indiana, both were just determined, they really weren't going to double team either post player, Markowski or Holmes. They were going to try and play it straight up, one on one. And after Markowski went out, they couldn't. They couldn't guard McKenzie one on one.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting because I, I made note of when she got her second foul toward the end of the second quarter. IU didn't really take advantage of that at all. It seemed like they had chances, but they turned the ball over a couple of times and and outside of a basket from uh, McKenzie at, right before the half, they really didn't score at all after she went out. Now she was only out for a couple minutes, but um, kind of played into a stalemate, but that, yeah, that definitely was not the case in the third quarter. As She, you know, gets that fourth foul pretty quickly and really both fouls kind of the same thing, trying to, you know, kind of get one arm wrapped around McKenzie, trying to go around the other way to knock the pass away, as opposed to just trying to stay behind her and, uh, you know, push her out a little bit on the court. And, and she was, uh, definitely the one that was given IU fits for a huge stretch. And I think, yeah, when, when she went out, um it was I, iu was still up a decent amount but it really took so much away from what nebraska could have done to try to get back in the game and um and so yeah i, I thought that was a good one uh as well o- only other one that i that i had um was and it, it kind of speaks to Markowski a little bit as well i thought lily meister came in in the first quarter maybe it was the second and did her uh, i think it was the first trying to see where yeah, i noted first. it. i thought she did a really good job defending her really pushed her out made her uncomfortable she's Gave up a tough hook shot, but otherwise, I thought played really good. Uh, you know, really good defense on her. Mm. Uh, she was a recipient of some, uh, some, some nice passes from uh, from Lexi for sure, and uh, and and was able to finish a little bit around the basket. But I thought she, you know, just continued her her development and maybe a small thing just in terms of not giving up a lot of points to Markowski, but was able to really have things not drop off uh, dramatically on the defensive end um, when Mackenzie went out in the first half and and slowed we slowed her down a little bit
0: yeah and i'm i'm kind of with you and once you you kind of get to this 91 69 final really not too many pivotal plays uh, that I want to bring up and without mentioning some numbers, also, I'll still kind of save those, but it does. What's pivotal about this is it puts IU at four 0 Now we don't want to overlook a Penn state game on Wednesday night in Simon Scott assembly hall, but it should set up a a, a clash in Iowa city next Saturday night, nationally televised on Fox. That shit will be at least for the, or, you know, the kind of the, the, well, not kind of, will be for the lead in the big 10 here, kind of almost at the halfway point of the season. So a, a pivotal win. That's the other thing, Andy, and I know, uh, you, you know, we're talking with you when you've been on with us, Nebraska is not the easiest place to play on the road. They are they, they that that crowd can get behind them and they can play well there and, and, and very similar to the men when they get on a roll. So I thought for Indiana, go in there and get a 22 point win on the road. Against a pretty good Nebraska team, I think that's a pretty you know. And again, I, I don't watch every game, but I'm not sure there's too many better road true road wins by a women's team in the country this year so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely don't follow other teams well enough to to speak to that exactly. But it is a hard place to play. Nebraska had been a good team, uh, it, you know, coming into the game, and and it just really felt like IU was able to take them out of it quickly. And I think you'll find. Uh, at the very least, Nebraska will be a top, you know, certainly a top half Big Ten team, uh, potentially even even better than that. So I think you you look at what they've been able to do. You know, their losses had come, you know, to Creighton, uh, to TCU on the road by by single digits, and and then they lost that Kansas by quite a bit. But otherwise, um, you know, had acquitted themselves well. Beat Maryland at home. Um, it, so I think it, they are a team that. Um, it's going to give people fits. It's not going to be a gimme game for other Big Ten teams to go into. And, and so, as you said, to be able to pick up that road win, give, give yourself some confidence of what you can do on the road. Uh, the Penn State game is one to, uh, you know, you don't want to look past it. I think the good thing about that is, one, it's a, you know, it's a veteran team that uh, probably is less susceptible to those kinds of things. And, two, it's at home. Um, so you, you hope that you just take care of business there and, and be ready for Iowa on Saturday. But that will be a, a huge one for sure.
0: So, Andy, I'm going to throw it right back to you. Uh, kind of notable numbers here. We kind of stick with team overall numbers since we tend to talk about individuals in the game ball and the hustle awards. But any team numbers kind of jump out at you?
1: Uh, I mean, the three point shooting uh, goes without saying that 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 jumps out uh, as you look there. You know, 14 of 23 shooting, 61 percent from there, and, and a really, you know, they're not they're not forcing three pointers and taking bad shots, you know, it's not reasonable to expect them to shoot 60% from three-point range every game. I'm not saying that. Um, but the types of looks that they're getting from three uh, and that they got in this game in particular are ones that you're completely happy with them taking. I, it was a couple of times that Nebraska just kind of looked at Sarah Scalia and let her shoot. I'm thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to let them do it, but uh, you know, some, some of that kind of stuff you, um, but, but they're getting, kickouts and they're in are finding open shooters that that was where Parrish got a lot of hers um and so the types of three-point shots they're getting are sustainable whether they can continue to make them at that clip we'll see but i think they're a good enough shooting team where yeah that the reality is you're not going to shoot 60 percent, but you're gonna uh you know be able to do some damage there so i thought that was important i thought points off turnovers they did a nice job forced 19 turnovers got 24 points off of that to give a little bit of an edge there um and then 22 assists on 34 makes is always a uh, is always a good number as well. And and defensive activity level, as we often talk about on the men's team, looking at blocks and steals, two blocks, seven steals, uh, you know, a reasonably good, uh, a reasonably good number speaks a little bit to the defensive uh, effort. Although, like I said, I think if you want to nitpick anything in this game, it's probably some of the easy baskets that they gave up.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to kind of go into the one thing we talked about in the preview sh- with the preview in Nebraska the other night after the the Michigan and the Michigan postgame show. Nebraska was plus 11 in rebounding margin coming into today, and IU wins that battle. IU and, and IU's not a very good. I should well, let me rephrase that. Their uh, they, their rebound margin is not outstanding. They are a little bit about middle of the league. Uh, on rebounding margin, but there have been several games where they've given up double-digit offensive rebounds. And they did again today. You talk about some of the easy buckets. The 10 offensive rebounds by Nebraska stands out a little bit. But if you would have told me um, yesterday that IU was going to be even or win the rebounding battle overall, I would have felt pretty good about the outcome. I wouldn't have thought maybe 22-point win, but I would have felt pretty good about the outcome. Another thing I want to point out, and we talked about a little bit about style and kind of the pace, IU uh, uh, um, was uh, 8-0 in fast break points. So they were, they were able to take advantage of getting out in transition a little bit more than Nebraska was. And, and some of that was, again, off those steals that you talked about as well um anything else on on the numbers you want to dig into i
1: just to, to piggyback on what you said with the fast break points i mean you saw this is not atypical of of them but terry Moore really encouraging them to try to get the ball up the floor uh early on in the game and that leads to some of those open looks that they get i mean that fast break points only ended up being eight nothing but you at least you know push the pace get into a little bit of a scramble situation and and be able to do some things there um you know, only other uh, only other thing I call out 37 minutes and 50 seconds is the time that you led in the game. So if you want to mm-hmm. talk about, you know, really coming in, jumping out to the lead, n- never you know relinquishing the lead for 56 seconds is all that they trailed by. Um, just, I think, speaks to the completeness of the performance and, uh, you know, how well they were able to play throughout. Never really gave up a, a huge run one way or the other.
0: Uh, and andy i'll t- i'll go to one other one i think that again i hate to sound like i'm nitpicking but we've talked about this a few times on the show and we kind of did this with a segment with kathy a couple episodes ago um but they only shot 64 percent at the free throw line now they only were they were nine for 14 but still 64 percent so that has been one place that's been a little bit of a struggle they came into today averaging right around 70 percent on the season but that still puts them down around 11th or 10th in the league in terms of free throw percentage. And I just think that's one of those that they've got to find a way to get up a little bit better. You know, If they get to 75, maybe they won't get there as a team, but if they can get to where shooting 75% per game, that makes it a little bit easier. I just got a feeling there's going to be a game or so when we come down the stretch here that we're going to come back in here in a post game show and be free throws, free throws, free throws cost us a possible win
1: yeah and and you know Mackenzie I think split both of the the times that she was at the line. Lily split hers and then Sarah missed two in a row, which was um yeah. fairly shocking <laughs> um I, I was taking notes and I basically had already written down I felt like that she made him, she, as in a way that she made him, so maybe that's on me but um but yeah i would I would agree I think you uh, you, you want to see that to be a little bit better um if you can, but you know one of those rolls in and it's ten or fourteen maybe we don't think it's as big of a deal, so True. uh who knows that's true so
0: uh any other numbers you want to talk about
1: uh not from a not from a team perspective i know there's lots of individual stuff to get to but uh team wise I, I wouldn't say so
0: i'm with you so let's go ahead and let's talk about uh, handout game ball here and we'll throw on the ticker here for those of you who are watching on the live youtube feed um and right now coming into today mckenzie holmes leads the game balls with five sarah scalia with four yard and with three and sydney Parrish has one so sandy you're saying <laughs> Andy, you're our guest. You're going to get to go first on the game ball.
1: Uh, I mean, lots of worthy candidates. When you had four players who all scored at least 16 points, um, I, I think you get, that, that suggests you've got a number of worthy candidates. I know Kathy Texas is us that. Uh, it's always a good problem to have when there's multiple. I'm going to go with Sydney Parrish just for setting the tone and getting off to such a good start. Um, certainly could see arguments be made for, for others, but she ends up with 20.6 rebounds, six of seven, uh, from three, the, the first quarter numbers that they put up for her over the last couple of games were just absurd. People would be happy to have that for like a three game or four game stretch, let alone just what she's done in the first quarter of some of these games. So, uh, and, and, you know, only one turnover from her had a block, had a steal plus 25 in 28 minutes is, uh, is pretty darn good. So I'll give mine to Sydney Parish.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, there's other worthy. that you look at. We kind of mentioned it with Sarah Scalia. She missed two free throws, which uh somebody here, I think it was Eagle Eye, uh, maybe I lost it. Uh Quang, sorry, give a duty credit. Quang points out it's the first time she's missed two free throws ever. You know, I don't know if you meant in a row or in a game or what, but it's still either way, that's a pretty significant stat. But you look no at matter certain- what, I believe
1: it. So I think yeah. that yeah, you could it's two in whatever span, and I would believe that yeah, so, uh, so- the, that's a rarity.
0: Yeah. So Sarah, 19 points. She was five of 10 from, from deep. She also had six rebounds, handed out seven assists, had two steals. Um, you also look and we talked a little bit, Mackenzie Holmes, 22 points, six rebounds, two steals. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I just felt like on a game on the road, the person who got us off to the fast start kind of set the tone, the pace uh, with it was Sydney Parrish, And so we're going to give Sydney Parrish the game ball award here. Cause again, I, with everything Andy said, I totally agree with, but I thought we also needed to make sure we mentioned some others as well here about the game ball who could have been possible candidates. So Sydney Parrish will get her uh, another game ball and that will bring her up to two for the season. And then we're going to also move on to the Grace Berger hardest worker award. And again, we're going to let Andy go first on that, but for, but real quick, Sydney Parrish has four, Mackenzie Holmes, three, Chloe Moore McNeil, and Lexi are two each, and then Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister, one each. For those of you who are watching on the live YouTube feed, you can see our scroll at the bottom of the screen. And so, Andy, you get to go first. Uh, this one was tougher, I would say, in some regard. I think any of
1: the other three high scorers you can make an argument for. Uh, I'm going to land on Sarah Scalia uh, at the end. She ended up with 19 points, tied for the team lead with six rebounds, led the team with seven assists, and tied for the team lead with two steals. So I guess if you figure hardest working means contributing in the most areas, I guess you could you could uh, give it to her. I would have uh, no real objection to giving it to, uh, to Chloe or even to Mackenzie for especially her work in the third quarter. Uh, but I lean I Sarah just for the variety of contributions that she made across a number of different categories
0: yeah and let's mention chloe real quick because chloe had 16 points she shot six for seven two of two from deep she was two of two at the line maybe we ought to think about chloe just because she went two for two at the line <laughs> um but three rebounds three assists so and one steal for chloe but i i, I agree with you andy sarah was who i was kind of leaning with before you went and just at the fact that she was the you know She, she had almost, you know, she 19 points, almost had three players in 20 with 20 plus points, but she was tied for the lead in rebounds. She led the team in assists. She tied for the lead in steals. And you also look at, she played 33 minutes and was a plus 27. And again, I'll be the first to admit, I like plus minus, but I also recognize that it's a a little bit of a flawed stat. So Sarah Scalia is going to get our Gary's burger hardest worker award. And we have, a friend here our co-host kathy amos who's going to join us here looks like from the car on her way back from lincoln to her home
2: yeah so we finally made it out of the arena into our car so how are you guys doing
0: we're doing good but tell us what was like at the game kathy
2: Yeah, it was great. We had fantastic seats. We were right behind the Indiana bench. So it was really fun getting to hear, you know, the coaches and the players really get to talk to each other and and see up close and personal how the bench react to everything. And, um, you know, one thing I really noticed in particular being that close was uh, how much Chloe actually talks. You know, we've always considered her kind of a quiet leader, but, you know, on offense in particular, she was really uh, directing traffic and moving people around pretty vocally today. So that's something I think I'll try to watch a little bit more for to see. Um, maybe it was just maybe today or I'm not sure, but it was really good. And, you know, the crowd got rowdy there for a little while, but uh, we took them right out of that with uh, in that fourth quarter. So I just thought that was a fun game. We had a really great time, great experience, nice nice people in, in Nebraska, too. So um, just all around I'm glad we came over for that so who did you give your game ball to
0: Sydney
2: Sydney yep that's who I would have voted for too so it was a really really hard one right <laughs> so many people to pick from so yeah but she came out on fire and you could really see so um, that she was ready to go and and the whole thing so just really um, uh, just an all-around performance. I think one of their best games, for sure, their best game on the road so far this year. If not any other team at the Big Ten, that was probably one of the best uh, road wins, I think, of the Big Ten so far this year.
0: And Kathy, real quick, or say quick, but just give us your thoughts, especially, and Andy brought this up in a, in in his um, bottoms line. Um, Indiana, or Nebraska, cut the lead to seven, and You kind of got the feeling that the crowd was ready to erupt. Just kind of tell us a little bit of what the feeling was as Nebraska had cut the lead to seven and that crowd was coming alive. But then IU responds with a Sarah Scalia three and a Chloe Moore McNeil steal and layup.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you could really feel it, I think, in the stadium there where um, the crowd was just ready to, to, actually, they were quite loud. That was probably the point where they were the absolute loudest in the game from, you know, right except for maybe a tip-off, but um, the crowd was definitely thinking that they were going to get right back in that game, and then as soon as those two plays happened that you mentioned, they just went quiet, and that was it, and I think the crowd was it. You could see the deflation, I thought, on Nebraska as well, where that just seemed to be kind of the end for them um, in that, that period, so, um, but the the thing with that for us was how calm i thought all of our players were and our coaches were you know they were up by you know handily double digits and then the nebraska makes that run but i thought we just responded in a very calm and mature fashion and it really showed i thought our um you know experience from this team in that particular segment
0: yeah and the other thing kathy what was the iu crowd like
2: you know, actually, not too bad. There is um, a couple, about two, three people behind us um, from Bloomington drove over from Bloomington. No connections, no family um, relations or anything. A bunch of Coach Size, um family was there. Um, so she's not too far, from, you know, grew up in, in Des Moines and then coached um, here as well. And, well, not here in Omaha. Um, a couple of, I, I think we saw a lot of Sydney's family again. They seem to travel well and she's got a lot of family in Iowa. So there was quite a few people there, but um, it was all kind of concentrated. You know, I didn't know when I bought my tickets that we would be behind the Indiana bench, but so it was just kind of lucky, <laughs> I guess. Um, but we had, there was a nice showing. I, I bet you a good, you know, 25, 30 people, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot. But when Nebraska's crowd got really quiet, we were we were kind of loud. <laughs> so it was fun. It was really good.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Yep. Um, by the way, you asked about the game ball. Who would you have had for the hardest worker?
2: Yeah, I would have um, given that to Sarah then. So Sydney for my game ball and Sarah for hardest worker. So is that what you guys did too?
0: Yep, you make it unanimous.
2: Yeah, nice. <laughs> good. All right, well, I'll let you get back to your regular scheduled program and I'll go listen to you over on YouTube and uh, join the chat mob over there.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. You and Charlie, right careful yep. going home. Yep. Thanks a lot. Take care guys. Right. See ya. So Andy, we talked about the, the hardest worker and hardest, to, hard as it is to believe that was Sarah's first hardest worker award. And a kind of a segment we throw in here, you know, now with McKenzie and we call it Mac watch, um, She is now up to two. If I'm reading this right and I'm using Kathy, she's provided. Yeah, I got it now. Tyra bus is record is two thousand three hundred sixty four points. After today, McKenzie has two thousand one hundred and seventy two. She needs one hundred ninety two more points. She's averaging nineteen point six and she'll need to average seventeen point three the rest of the way to break Tyra Bus's career scoring record. Uh, she had six rebounds today, which puts her up to 869 total. She needs four more to move into fourth place on the rebounding, or for sixth place, sorry, she needs four more for sixth place on the rebounding numbers. And then she had one block today, which puts her at 227 overall. Uh, She needs 42 more blocks to get to first place on the all-time block shot list uh, for that. So that's our Mac watch for today as she closes in on some, you know, some, some longstanding and some venerable records at Indiana. So we're going to swing it over here and we're going to talk with Andy a little bit about Penn state and Penn state's kind of an, Andy, a a little bit of an, an interesting team. They're currently number 31 in the net and they're 10-4 and four overall, and they, they're 1-2 and two after winning their last game at home against Northwestern, which was a week ago, actually. And I think they play uh, maybe today, a little bit later, at, or, or, or earlier. In the, you know If they don't play today, that's a long layoff. But 95-55 on that win. But it's interesting because they're down right now two players. Ashley Owusu, who you may remember from actually being at Maryland for a couple years, and then transferred out. And now has come back. In fact, she was at, at Virginia Tech at the end, you know last year. And now has come back in the Big Ten, but she hasn't played a game at all this year. And there's been some stories, at least before Christmas, that she was starting to participate in some pregame warmups. So it would not be totally, I think, out of hand that you might see her on Wednesday. Uh, But then their best player, at least their best returning player, and the person who was their best player this year on stat-wise, McKenna Marissa went down with an injury against Ohio State back in December and hasn't played since. So, and Northwestern's not one of the better teams in the league anyway. They're going to be 13th or 14th in the league. Um, with that, you look at where, you know, where we are, Indiana leads the all time series 33, 19, that game, by the way, Wednesday is at seven Eastern six central on BTN plus, unfortunately, well, hopefully our last games on BTN plus, um, I use one six in a row, nine and one in the last 10 against Penn state, but Penn state's losses are to number, you know, to USC, West Virginia, Ohio State and Michigan State, who are all in the top 21 of the current net rankings um, with that. So and as we said, McKenna Marissa is their their leader. She's averaging 17 a game, but hasn't played since that game in December. Uh, Shea Szyzewski, a 5'7 sophomore guard, is averaging 16 points a game, three rebounds. She's shooting 44% from the field, 42% from three, and she takes seven threes a game with three others in double figures. Tay Valde, Leilani, Lilana, Lilana, Leilani. Kepnes and Allie Brigham, who's averaging six point two rebounds, which is fourteenth in the league. So, Andy, just and I know you don't, you maybe don't see much of Penn State, but just kind of give us your thoughts a little bit from what you saw in our little scouting run, scout tips on the uh, on the run sheet. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: It looks like uh, and I have no reason to believe that the net for the men's is any different for the women's. But if you look at some of the teams that stand out in the men's teams, they've blown out bad teams in a major way. And if you scroll down the list of results for Penn State, you can see they've done the same thing. And that yeah. probably explains you know, a little bit of why they're so high in the net, despite not really having uh, a lot of top end wins. I mean, they've got multiple 50 point wins, They beat Navy by 63 uh, at, at one point. So they've just got some. I think they beat St. Francis of Pennsylvania by 76, 119 to 43. Good God. Um, anyway, so they've got a bunch of huge wins from a, a margin perspective. That's probably pushed their net up to be a little bit higher than, than what they are. Um, so if you look at it that way, might add a little bit of um, context to, to why that number seems a little high based on, uh, you know, what they've actually achieved on the court. So, you know, if you look at it that way, you think about the personnel uh, components and, and how they've fared against other good teams this year. This feels like in a game that IU should uh, should handle you know relatively easily. Um, but, you know, you look at the – they do have the ability to put a bunch of points on the board. Uh, part of that is attempting a lot of threes. Um, so that will be a point of emphasis for IU, whereas today I thought there were times they gave up some easy baskets on the inside. Uh, here you really got to watch and not let Penn State get hot from the outside. Uh, but at home, uh, short of being kind of a look-ahead spot, uh, for IU, it, it feels like one they should be able to handle.
0: Yeah, and Andy, I want to ask you, and for those of you who don't know, listening to our podcast and not as familiar with Andy uh, from his work over on Assembly Call, Andy's one of the best bracketologists out there in the country. And Andy, I just want to ask you, and, and I know you, you don't do a women's bracket, but I, I don't know if you follow the women's bracketology. Charlie Cream is the one I know of the best, but do you, you or maybe you know some people who do, but I've kind of noticed on the net in the women's game, there's no quad system. It's just, you know, it's wins. It's kind of road wins and home wins, but they don't really break it down to quad like quad wins. Like in the men, do you happen to know why that is or why they wouldn't use that same system?
1: Well, I thought they did. So I would be probably not be the, the the best person to ask, I guess. I, I, I do feel like when I looked, uh, I was just kind of messing around with some things last year, uh, looking at it, it did seem like the way they format some of the, uh, team sheets is a little bit different, um, as you go through it that way, but I do think they still, I mean, you, you kind of have to use some way, uh, to measure, okay. uh, what, uh, what, what it looks like, but yeah, Charlie cream is the one that I, uh, if I'm looking at it is the one that I, I would typically look at, but I'm looking at, um, uh, just going to the, cause I have the NCA site bookmarked where they do this for the, for the men's team. So I, when I look at their team sheet, it does they group them differently, but they do still have, I guess, essentially, I guess it's not really quadrants. They just do net one to 25, 26, 50, 51 to a hundred. I'm not totally sure why that would be. I'm sure somebody who's done more research on it than I have would, would probably know. I don't know if the, I'll offer a, a theory that probably that may or may not have any basis in reality, you know, a lot of what they do with the men's. is So the, you know, quad one is, you know, one to 35 home, one to 75 road. I don't know if it's a, well, the crowds aren't quite the same for in a lot of women's games. So the road games aren't that much harder. I, again, I, I don't know that I subscribe to that theory. It, it, it depended upon, you know, where you go uh, you know, you'd be hard pressed to tell somebody uh, who watches the IU Iowa game next Saturday that um, going on a road game there is not different, you know, is, is, there's not a home court advantage or something of that nature, but um, that would be my only theory on why it's done that way. But like I said, if you look at the team sheets, it's uh, it, it just groups it one to 25, whether it's home road, neutral, whatever, 26 to 50, 51 to 100, and then 101 plus. So to the extent that they, I, they don't call them the quadrants, but it's still four different buckets to put results yeah. in. So, uh, I guess you can kind of look at that however you want. And and then it kind of just looks at a general top 100, but this game today, at least where Nebraska was coming in at 23rd would be a quad one win. Uh, it's also one of those where sometimes you play so good, you impact the other team's ranking. And then now it becomes a, you know, a win in that second bucket, which is probably likely to happen here based on uh, the margin mm-hmm. of victory. But we'll, uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes as they as they look forward from that but yeah these the, the the two Iowa games home against Michigan State and at Ohio State are the the other uh quote unquote quad one games uh left for IU as it stands right now
0: yeah, and I'm, again, I'm only going, Ari's saying in the workaholics here, our friend Ari, who follows us a little bit closer than I do in terms of some of these num- net numbers and stuff says it is really the same system. I just know that when I look at the women's page, it doesn't give, like when you look at the men's in the net, it's quad, quad one, quad two is listed there, but in the women's on the women's side, it's just like home win, road win, things like that. So that's why maybe where my confusion came in that I didn't quite understand how they the nitty gritty of it. And I thank you for explaining that for me and for also for our listeners listeners as well. So, um, we also want to kind of point out here around the big Ten coming up between now and Wednesday when IU plays again a couple a couple games of note that we think you ought to keep an eye on Maryland uh, and by the way Maryland and Purdue got postponed yesterday and, and Andy um, I may not have seen this one in a long time but Maryland and Purdue were supposed to play yesterday in College Park if you were happen to watch in the Ravens game and the Steelers game you know knowing you being the football fan you are it was pouring down rain in Baltimore and College Park was getting that same system and they had a roof leak. And they had water that was dripping onto the floor, and they didn't—they couldn't quite figure out a way to get it stopped. And they even maybe discussed moving into like an auxiliary facility at uh, at the Xfinity Center, like a practice type gym, I think, almost, or maybe a uh, maybe a smaller gym that they use for some other things. But they Purdue kind of was like, I'm not, and I got to And by the way, I would not blame Katie Jells for that at all. If they'd come to me as a coach and say, Hey, you want to go play in, in this other facility we have here? I would. No, 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 no. Let's let's go discuss how we can reschedule this, but I'm not going to go play in, you know, you know, I've prepared for one thing. I'm not going to go play, you know, in another facility. So, so Maryland and Purdue got postponed. So we'll, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to get that. Uh, but I'm not sure. I've seen a game outside of like pure out snow, you know, so like snow storm keeps somebody from being on play. I'm not sure the last time I saw a game get postponed because of a roof leak. Uh,
1: yeah, that that was I had not seen that, but yeah, that is a new one. I mean, typically with college basketball, if you're if you're missing games, it's usually travel related because of snow or uh you know city shuts down or something of that nature. But yeah, that's a uh that's a new one. But I I would agree with you. I think in in that situation, you know, presumably they'd had a shoot around before or something. They'd, you know, going into a different venue that's got different sight lines and different things like that, you kind of put the onus on the uh the host to to figure out a way to to get the game played at the regular venue. Although um depending, you know, you now kind of got to figure out a time where both teams have at least a little bit of a window where you can fit the game in. And that. Uh, has some ramifications there eventually anyway where you might be you know have kind of a condensed schedule where you got to play a whole bunch of games uh you know in a row or closer together than you normally would
0: but as i was gonna say tuesday maryland will travel to michigan state uh, maryland two and one in the league michigan state won two but Ma- michigan state gave iowa everything they wanted in Iowa either C- day and they play a very up and down style so keep an eye on that game minnesota at one and two in the league Goes to Michigan to, at two and one on Tuesday as well. And this may be the game where we really, really find out what we know about Minnesota. Minnesota, tough loss in their last game. They had an earlier loss at, 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 uh, at Iowa, which was no shame in, but they lost their last game out. And, and so this is a game where I think we really find what's going to, you know, is Minnesota a pretender? Or are they a contender? And I think that as far as for an NCAA tournament berth, and we'll find out. And then also on Wednesday at about the same time I used playing Iowa at Purdue uh, Iowa 4-0, Purdue 2-1, so that game on Wednesday as well, so just to kind of keep some games on the, some games to keep your eye on around the Big Ten. We're going to throw it over to Andy for his final thoughts here as we get ready to wrap up our episode and let Andy get to kind of watching the Eagles, and I get to watch the Dolphins tonight, hopefully, you know, win a division, so.
1: Yeah, I may want to get back on, depending upon how the Eagles play. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, keep up their recent, uh, their recent play. I'll be clamoring to talk about a successful team. But uh, that being said, uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys having me today, and happy to fill in for Kathy uh, as she was able to attend the game, which was uh, a great one to watch, and I'm sure an even better one to be at in person. So, uh, yeah, I, I just go back to what I said before. Just the, the the way that this team played is exactly what you would draw up if you want to look at how you want a team to play in a difficult road game get out to a good start respond to every uh every challenge that the other team puts out there and just slowly and methodically build a lead pull away and never really be challenged by the end of the game um just thought you know the the you know and even the the veteran players that iu had all really stepped up scored extremely well uh, over that game. And I think that's the, you know, the perk of having a veteran team is having people who aren't necessarily phased by, uh, going into a tough road environment, as, as Kathy mentioned that they just never really seem phased by it. And the, the numbers and the, the way the game played out would certainly, uh, support that. And so, uh, you know, just remains a, a fun team to watch for reasons like that, where you just, you know, you can go in with some confidence, regardless of the venue that they've got what it takes to be able to come out. And then, uh, they go out on the court and they back it up and play that way.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just going to echo those sentiments. I, I just – it was it was one of those games as a fan that you and, – and, and somebody who's coached, but especially as a fan, just to watch a team really execute. Now, again, if we wanted to nitpick, they had 10 turnovers in the first half, but only four in the second half. And, and so I thought the things that they didn't maybe do as well, they got corrected at halftime. Just an enjoyable game to watch. And you finally get the feeling that this team is really kind of starting to – I think earlier in the season, Terry Morin said it on a number of different games afterwards in the post game press conferences, it wasn't to her where she wanted them to be defensively, they weren't, they weren't communicating, they weren't, they weren't in that, they weren't to that point of trust, I would be the word I'd use with each other on the defensive end, and I think that also leads to offensive end, but here lately, I think, you know, the Illinois game, the Michigan game, uh, even the two non-conference games, you know, were sandwiched around Christmas there with Bowling Green at Evansville. But also, but you go on the road in Nebraska today. This team looks like it's really finally starting to come together. And boy, IU fans, you know, if if you've been, you know, you haven't had a chance to watch as much this year, or just been kind of wait, get back. Uh, this team is is fun to watch, and they've got some. They got a tough stretch coming up. Now, Penn State again, don't want to overlook them. Go to Iowa next week. And, and so they, they've got to, you know, if they can make that run through there and come out at the other end, you know, at the, at the end of the day, be 6-0 in the Big Ten, boy, that'd be a big step toward winning the league. So I want to thank Andy for being with us here and we're going to take, a, you know, get us some, you know, some Bob Thompson music and we'll kind of segue on out of here. All right, so again, want to thank Andy for being here. Uh, we will return on Wednesday, the, uh, the 10th after the Penn State game. That'll, that post game show will be approximately 9 Eastern 8 Central. Uh, and by the way, we are hope we are, we, should say hope we are closing in on our 100th podcast. and right now today was our 96th. So right now our plan is for the 100th podcast to be on Sunday, January 21st after the Purdue game. And so that's right now the plan for the 100th podcast uh, for the Doing the Work show. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. We've got some, some things in mind we're, we're talking about trying to do. So we encourage everybody to try and, and follow along, follow us, you know, whether it's here on YouTube, Twitter, or Simply at the Substack, wherever you follow us, we'll try and keep you informed about that 100th episode as we get closer and closer to it. Uh, Simply Call will be on Tuesday after the Rutgers game for their post game show. Andy, are you going to be on Tuesday night?
1: Uh, I think so. Uh, I know we're, I'm trying to think there was one of them. I was going to skip next week, but I think it was actually Thursday, which is going to be our 1000th. So I probably will be on it even though I had maybe not originally intended to do that. But yeah, I'm planning to be there on, on Tuesday, I, I believe is uh, one I said I could be on.
0: And by the way, congratulations to you guys for when you get there on Thursday. <laughs> I, 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 we've done ninety six. I can't imagine a thousand shows. Uh, just really quick, Andy, do you? It's you, a lot of you,
1: a lot of Ryan is probably what <laughs> really what I would say.
0: <laughs> when you first started, could you have imagined it going this long? Uh,
1: no, no, not a chance. And and you know, part of it was it, some of the number gets accelerated because initially we had just talked about doing uh you know post game shows. Well, eventually you know, came into, uh, assembly called radio. Cause, uh, somebody had offered us a, a chance to be on, uh, radio in in Indianapolis. So we did the Thursday show and then we kind of stuck with that. So that, you know, fills in some during the off season and, uh, and things such as that, but yeah, no, I, I definitely would not have, uh, at that point, uh, you know, just kind of starting being relatively new to some of the, the podcasting just in general, at that point, I would not have thought in a, in quite a while that we would have gotten to a thousand, but, uh, but it's been fun.
0: Just out of curiosity, I mean, that's really I kind of wondered about that, and, and somebody who's been on with you guys a few times. So there actually was a radio show at one point.
1: Yeah, there was. Um, Kent Sterling, who I forget which station it was at the time, I think we would we would record it on Thursdays and they would broadcast it, I think, on like Friday evenings. Um, oh, and then maybe again on Saturday morning. So we used to have pretty strict uh, obviously with having an hour's worth of radio, you only had so much time that we could fill. So we kind of had more strict timing mm-hmm. uh, on that, but there was one. And then we just really kind of stuck with it at that point. Cause it was a good chance to step back a little bit, you know, particularly in a week like this one where it was like, okay, well there was just a game the night before you don't need to rehash some of the other stuff, but you can talk at least a little bit about some of the bigger picture things and, um, and stuff like that. So we just kept up with it and kind of became a way to have a standardized time to do stuff in the off season as well, because everybody, we had always kind of planned on, Hey, this time, you know, this day is when we would be there, and um, you know, as you guys know, some of that consistency is what helps to build the audience of you know them kind of knowing, uh, you know, when you'll be there and mm-hmm. and and you showing up and doing those things. So that definitely helped it it grow. Um, at that point, I forget, I forget where in the the history that started and and when it actually ceased being broadcast on the radio, but we've kind of stuck with the at least the Assembly Call Radio uh, thought process since
0: then. Well, congratulations to you and all the people at Assembly Call for for that milestone you'll be hitting on thursday so you can be a part of our private community as well find out more at assemblycall.substack.com if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat make sure that you subscribe to our youtube channel that's youtube.com slash at back home network that's the at sign youtube.com slash at back home network special thanks to john ringer of rig design for uh rigdesign.com, excuse me, for designing our logos. Also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you've heard throughout the broad- broadcast. Again, we want to remind everybody that Wednesday night will be on again, roughly nine Eastern, eight Central. That'll be our 97th podcast. And, and we'll have our 100th on January 21st. So we'll, hopefully everybody will be making the notes of that. And then we want to thank all of you for listening, whether it's here on the live YouTube feed or wherever you get your uh, podcast feed from we'll be back to talk IU hoops with you again on Wednesday until then keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. All right. Thanks Andy. Appreciate you coming in. Hey, awesome. Anytime. All right. Hopefully go Eagles. And uh, uh, with that, so um, I appreciate
1: I appreciate it. I Hope the Dolphins dolphins play well for you as well.
0: Appreciate that too. Eagles hey, just, are
1: Eagles are already losing, so everything's going great.
0: Just real quick. I mean, <laughs> I know you're being the Eagles fan, you are, and without all the other stuff that goes around around it right now, but I've kind of started listening to the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Have you listened to that? Uh
1: yeah. I started I I forget when I started doing it, but I yeah, I, I listen to it pretty regularly. It's uh uh, definitely good insight into yes. him from an Eagles perspective, but just entertaining in general yes. and their rapport is,
0: uh, is pretty good. So it yeah, is, uh, I, I'm definitely I I'm definitely a listener. So, all right. Hey, you have a great rest of your Sunday. I appreciate you coming on with us. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. You do the same. Thanks everybody. See you everybody.